Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I am on my second try of taping the podcast um, with video. So those of you who are seeing this, hey, here we are. We're live. I'm very excited. It's fun to do this. It's fun to um, actually see my colleagues when we are doing the broadcast. Uh, I don't really know what to say today except COVID-19. <laughs> kind of enough said. Um you know, this is typical. The handle came off of my office door today. I don't know. Why not? Um, I guess I'm using it too much because I'm home all the time. Um, I did want to let everybody know we do have a set of COVID-19 resources. They're available on our blog. Um, it's blogs. It's videos. Um, you can find it at blog.getintocollege.com. We are updating on a regular basis. Things are changing so frequently. So if you're interested, please do go check that out. You can actually register for the blog and then get things delivered directly to your mailbox. Very exciting. Um, I know you guys have lots of questions. We have lots of answers. Um, so we're going to be doing a lot of Q&A today. We're also going to be doing a segment on COVID-19's impact on college finance, um, since that's obviously top of mind. But before we get to that, we're going to start with some questions and answers. I'm excited to welcome my colleague, Amy Alexander, who's a former financial aid, I'm sorry, former admissions officer at Yale. Hi, Amy. Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining. Amy is in the midst of in the midst of the largest pandemic we've ever faced in our lifetimes. Amy's also in the midst of moving because, hey, why not? Right. <laughs> the door comes off the handle to my office. Amy's in the middle of moving. What the hell? All Everything goes right now. Exactly. Um, all right, Amy, my first question for you is um, around and I'm going to stick my glasses on for this one, but um we did a live Q&A earlier this week and um, answered a lot of questions for parents. And I will say that the most common question we got, I would like to share with our listeners to the podcast here, and that is, how can we help our child find her best fit college when the colleges she's considering have closed their campuses? What type of informational events will colleges offer in light of the cancellation of on-campus events? Um, do you think that colleges are going to offer some additional visiting options in late summer and early fall to compensate for missed opportunities this spring? Basically, what do we do if we were hoping to get to campus and now we can't? Right. And I have uh, a dozen students in that situation right now. I spent four hours in a row talking to four of them yesterday. Um, the, what I want to start, and I know we're going to talk about seniors and making, you know, what they can do to find a best fit now. And, and this pertains to juniors as well, because, you know, their situation is going to be impacted. But what they need to know, and everyone is, you know, this is the time of uncertainty. We don't know when things are changing. We're all anxious. But the first thing to do as a yogi of 20 years <laughs> is to take a deep breath and know that everyone is in the same boat. So everyone is trying to find the best fit, is trying to, seniors making decisions, juniors trying, they can't visit during spring break or maybe even this summer. The great thing is everyone is stepping up like us. Look, we're on video, <laughs> we're doing this, right? Colleges are doing the same. A lot of them for seniors are offering admitted student days virtually. You, right. know, so you can go to events and activities and that will be fun for students and they should all participate. There's um, a lot of virtual tours going on on all different kinds of platforms. Zoom is getting a lot of play right now. So, yeah. you know, if you don't have these platforms, download them now and get on them, especially if you're in, in the midst of the college process, because that will help you. It'll alleviate some anxiety because you will be in touch. You will see things. OK, so I think that's very important. But in terms of finding the best fit, a lot of the colleges and their virtual tours are going to put, you know, of course, the best foot forward. Of course. Right. Yep. So 
I think, you know, a great, a great uh, resource is called, um, I think it's called campusreal.org. Mm-hmm. You can go onto that and they have different, you can put in campuses and you can take tours, look at the different student perspectives. Um, you can go on to like student reviews on niche.com. You can go to the college's YouTube channel. You could go to Instagram and student driven pages and look at what the students are saying. You know, it's great to get the the party line of what the college is offering because you want to see. And I think, though, the interesting thing is, Beth, yes, it would be nice to go back and visit. But you know what? Just in regular everyday times, let's go flashback a month ago, a lot of students don't get to visit colleges before they apply. It's ideal. It's great. But they don't. So what they do is they go online. They look at the resources that the college offers. Now with the wealth of information, you can get information on faculty. Not only can you get information from the course catalog on who teaches and what they teach, you know, look at your particular area of interest and see what they're, what professors are offering. What kind of research are they doing? What kind of projects are they working on? And you know what? They're home now too. Shoot them an email. Right. No, say, hey, can I have five minutes of your time? To be honest, now probably more than ever, they'll likely respond. They want to help you. They want to lessen the anxiety. And they want to talk about what they love and what they're mm-hmm. doing. So that's a great thing. Also, students are home right now. If there are any students in your hometown that or neighboring areas, maybe you can't go see them right now because of social isolation, but you can contact them and say, hey, you're coming from my neighborhood, from my school or the school down the street. What's it like at that college campus? And ask for their opinions. People have some time now and they're very willing to give it. So I think there's a lot of ways to think about fit without, you know, people are, oh, I can't go back. Well, a lot of times people don't go back for various reasons. So we're just going to do that. We're all going to do that now. And there are plenty of ways to do that. I think the most important thing, though, that I tell my students, what are the three to five, three to five must haves? Maybe Maybe it's a city. Oh my gosh, I love art. I want museums. I want to go to music performances. I want to be able to, you know, go to different inner city parks. I want to volunteer inner city. Or maybe, oh, I don't want city. I want I want a campus. I want a real enclosed campus. Well, you can learn that by looking at the setting, by looking at the pictures, by getting a sense of the campus. If you decide what your three to five main things are, that's going to be really helpful. And you can alleviate a lot of schools, whether you're a senior making your final decision or you're a junior kind of choosing which colleges to kind of put on your list now, maybe without being able to visit. I had a student who put yesterday, she said, I hate to admit this, Amy, but I really care about food. And I said, don't. (laughs) Who cares about food more than me and you? (laughs) Come on, I have a Jewish mama. I care about food, you know? And I said, nothing is silly. Nothing is considered odd. You know, of course, academic offerings should always be the first and foremost in choosing driving. But you know what? If you care about what the dining hall options are with the cafe, the student center offers, the local community that you could walk to, then, hey, that should be in your top five. So nothing is is off limits. Right. No, absolutely. And ideally, when you put the list together initially, you knew kind of what those primary criteria were. But if you didn't, if basically your primary primary criteria was, well, they offer this thing that I want to major in and all of my friends say this is great and my grandmother (laughs) thinks it's a great school. And believe me, we've seen that too, plenty. Now is the time to really determine what's important for you. And you are so right in that a lot of that information you can't find when you visit anyway, you're going to need to do that online. And while you can't sample the local restaurant scene, you can look online and see what is available to you. And is it a wasteland of fast food or (laughs) is there more to it than that? And if food's really important, that might be something that's important to you. Of course, my son would say food is important. And for him, that means like, is there a Taco Bell? You know, he likes other stuff too, but yeah. (laughs) And that's the great thing with, you know, I think there's pros and cons to the internet and the wide world and it's a lot of stimulation, but certainly now it's a wonderful thing. If food's important, look at Yelp, look at Google Maps, look at, there's a lot of things you can use and, 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 you know, not just 
that will give you instant information, you right. know? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the other really big thing in terms of choosing fit, and I'm just going to share from personal experience of the last few days, talking to parents and students, um, you know, and I, that I've been working with and I'm noticing more and more, of course, finances. And I know our next, our colleague is going to talk about that next. So I won't touch that one. But the other thing is I'm noticing Three out of four yesterday said, I'm thinking of maybe being a little closer to yes. home or maybe instead of going across country, I was thinking of going abroad. I got accepted to two schools abroad. Now I'm thinking of keeping it within a six hour drive or a quick plane ride. Or yes. So, you know, that can also maybe be a new criteria that wasn't six or eight months ago. Yeah, no, I think we are seeing that for sure as a trend um, and something to ask yourself and for parents to, ask, if you're listening, to ask yourself and be sure you guys are communicating so that your child doesn't suddenly decide, you know what, I think I am going to take go for it. I'm going to California and parents are like, no, 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 no. We want you here where we can drive to you if we need to pack you up again in the middle of a semester and bring you home. So lots of things to consider. Yeah, but the other thing I think, to be honest, is things at some point we will have a new normal. We're never yes. going to go back to the normal we had. That's just not reality. We're in a mm -hmm. global pandemic. It's unprecedented. But it will go back. And um, the great thing is I, my son is a current junior. He's home, mm -hmm. you know, this yeah. For the duration and a lot of his friends were abroad and you know what our country our airlines did a wonderful job getting them on flights bringing them back so parents should yes it's in a factor maybe but also mm -hmm. consider that we do really work hard on getting people back and there are ways and so you know that could be a factor for some but think about the fact that things will go back to a new normal and that you know they should yes. consider all of the factors Right, exactly. And I think in the new normal, one thing that will definitely change is they will act more quickly, ideally, right? So, but that's a conversation for another day. So one of the big questions that we've been getting, so moving from seniors to more juniors, and, you know, young underclassmen will be impacted a little bit, but but for really for juniors, it feels more important because I almost feel like it's a bit of a myth, this idea that junior year is the most important because it's all important. Junior year is students taking some more rigorous coursework and therefore those grades become more important. And we're getting a lot of questions. What happens when they get uh, they don't get a grade? It's pass fail because many, many high schools are moving towards pass fail and will have varying policies about this whether they count a grade at all for the, the whole second half of the year, maybe they base the grade solely on the work the student has done up until the point where school was called off. So what can you share about, um, you know, your insight, taking insight from when we used to do admissions, how you believe colleges will handle this and, and any thoughts about what students can do? So again, I'm gonna go back to, we are all in the yes. same boat. And the thing is, too, we have a lot of parents. Um, I know one parent wrote in, I think one of the questions was, my son has worked so hard. He's yes. taking four or five AP courses. It's junior year. This He has worked hard. This is his ult penultimate year. Um, his grades are really strong. This was going to impact his weighted grades. You know, I'm sad for him. And I get yes. that. I get yes. that. But guess what? The colleges are going to know that. So even if some schools are going pass-fail, some are giving no grades, right? Even yeah. The state of Virginia is kind of saying we're just going to, you know, forfeit the rest of the semester for some, for some schools. So colleges are going to understand that. So they will have senior year. They will go back and have the fall. If they keep on that consistent or upward trend, that upward trajectory, Colleges are going to look at that and they're going to know that everyone's in the same boat and they are not going to penalize students. Now, it's hard for a student to sit with, oh, I would have had, you know, 4.8 instead of 4.4. But right. guess what? Everyone's is going to be calibrated in that way. So, again, it's going to set an even playing field because right. everyone's in it. When I worked at the Yale admissions office, when something like this, or it wasn't obviously nothing like this happened, but if something within a family where there was an illness or a death or something major and a student's one semester grades, you know, getting completes or whatever, we'd call the guidance counselor and then, okay, great, let's just kind of 
Put that right. as a level playing field. So I think it's hard for students. And I'm seeing some students say, all right, I'm going to try to do extra online things. And they're scurrying to do online projects and online things to beef up their application. Well, that's fine if you are self-motivated and you want to use this time. But I don't want it to create more anxiety, more pressure for students to add on, to do more, to do this, to do that. This is already an anxiety-producing time. Spend time with your family. Try to do take a walk every day if your state allows it. You know, do things for yourself. Do your coursework. Do your regular schoolwork. Do the best you can. Do additional reading if you like reading or math or. But add on if you want to, but don't feel compelled to because colleges are not going to hold it against you and you are not going to be penalized. Right, right, exactly. And I, you know, the one note that I would say is for students who perhaps were not doing their best work and were looking to the remainder of the time to kind of improve yeah. that grade, that's a little challenging. And I would say maybe for those students, it would make sense to do some online coursework where you could get a grade where you could show what you're capable of. Again, this is a brand new world for everyone. Um, the colleges have always worked with what your school does. And I know that um, you know the, the anxiety level ratchets up with the selectivity of the college, and I get that. And they will—they're uh, the ones who actually have the most ability to take a closer look, a really deep look. Um, and just to touch briefly on what you were saying about the GPA being a 4.4 versus a 4.8, we didn't even—we looked at the classes taken and the grade yeah. earned. A GPA is actually almost a meaningless thing. Yeah when you get to that very selective level. So it, it almost matters less than you think it, it almost doesn't matter at all. I mean, I, you know, again, there's a lot of nuance to it, but yeah, um, yeah well, don't be worried about hundreds of a point on your GPA, I think. And the one other thing is, you know, this happened in, you know, February, March, when they started, you know, closing schools and all of that. Colleges are going to see the courses you took. They're going to yes. see what you signed up for. They're going to see if you slacked off. They're going to see if you your first marking period grades. They're going to get a, a thump. They're going to get a little view. So, right. you know, they're going to see that you kept, you took four AP courses. You were getting all A's or an A and a B or whatever. So right. it's it's not like, okay, we have nothing, you know? Right. Now, right. Right. I don't know what the future holds. I mean, we're all hoping that this will kind of flatten out by the summer and we'll start back to school in the fall. We don't know. But for now, this is the information I think that students have to hold on to. Yes, absolutely. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great day. All right. Well, when you come back, when we come back, Amy won't be with us. Shannon will be with us. And we're going to be talking about the impact on college finance of COVID-19. So don't go away. you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. 
To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. As promised, I have my lovely colleague, Shannon Vasconcelos, here with me today. Shannon is a former financial aid officer at both Tufts and Boston University. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good. We are both surviving. We're making We're it hanging through. in there, yes. We are. We are. Of course, I do not have two young children home. Um, I have two much older children home who do a much better job of fending for themselves, so I... I, I will bow admit, down to you. And I'm hoping we don't have a BBC dad situation. They could barge in here any second. We might get some guest stars on the podcast today. Who knows? <laughs> I'm in. I'm down. Everybody listening presumably has children, so they will understand, even if they're yeah. not in this phase right now. Exactly. All right. So um, we're all basically, we're not all COVID-19 today, but for our segment, we are. Yeah. Um, and I think you had a great idea, which is to sort of take us through the timeline on how COVID-19 is likely to impact different stages of Mm -hmm. the paying for college process. And so why don't we jump right in? And and I guess the first question is, what's the effect for those with younger kids, maybe not quite as young as your students, but maybe, Maybe. um, and their process of saving for college? What do you see as the impact for that? Yeah, so as all the college savers out there have probably noticed over the past couple of weeks, the stock market has taken a big old downturn. Folks have lost money. Um, and so, you know, I feel for folks in that situation, I feel for myself in, in that situation, yes. saving for my own kids. I feel for myself too. <laughs> exactly. All of us have lost money. We just have to accept that reality. And I think it, we reference it a lot in this show and about the whole college planning process, you know, control what you can, let go of what you can't. Stock market's gone down. We, we can't control that. The, the stock market goes up and down always has, presumably always will. Um, So I don't think that anything has really changed in terms of your saving strategy, Uh, but I think now is a good time to take a look at your strategy, make sure that what you're doing still makes sense for you. Take a look at, I think the two biggest things are your timeline. You know, do you have to pay for college this fall? Or do you have, you know, a kindergartner and you're not looking at this for another 12 years? How much time do you have? What's your timeline look like? And what's your risk tolerance? You know, could you, um, do you not mind, um, you know, losing, uh, you know, you're willing to kind of play the game. You don't mind taking some losses if you think there's a big upside that you could win down the line. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the flip side of that, maybe you know, what's happened over the past couple of weeks has just made your stomach drop and you can't even sleep at night, yeah. you know, that may lead you to a different conclusion. So I don't want to tell anyone what to do. I don't know what is going to happen in the next day or week or year or 10 years, frankly. Uh, I know over time, over long periods of time, the stock market has always gone up. So, you know, folks just had to look look at their own timeline, their own risk tolerance, figure out what's going to work best for them, you know, you sell now, you know, what are the pros and cons? You know, if you sell now, you lock in those losses already, you know, you have um, no chance to kind of make up um, for those Mm -hmm. losses. On the flip side, stock market goes down more, you're protected if you've pulled out at this point. Uh, uh, On the other hand, maybe you could buy now, you could buy stocks because they're at kind of a lower price now than they have been in recent memory. Uh, You could really win big when the market goes up again, which presumably it will, we just don't know when. Um, On the flip side though, if you're buying now and it goes down more, now you've lost money. So there's, there's not a perfect solution. I can't see the future, nobody can, but I think it's a good time to review your strategy, make sure that you are doing what works for you. I think the only across the board recommendation I can make 
is to keep saving in one you know, shape or form, save, save, save. You know, frankly, I always could have made that recommendation. Most people could stand to, to save more money for college, but if you have taken some losses and you need to make up for that, if you can afford to save more now, which of course a lot of people are in a tough position now and can't, but again, control what you can, uh, let go of what you can't control. If you are in a position to save more, I think I would do that. Got it. Okay, great advice. And I love the what you're talking about in terms of um, your comfort level, right, with risk and paying attention to that too. Exactly. All right. What about high schoolers? They're just starting to who are just starting to research their college options. Well, and this definitely applies to me. Um, what would you encourage them to think about finance wise? Yeah. So again, it's really kind of the same advice that we've always given in terms of, you know, shopping around for a college that's going to provide a good value to you. I think, you know, even though it's the same advice, it just may be kind of more important to more people now Mm -hmm. um, for those folks who maybe thought, you know, we're doing well financially, thought paying for college was no problem, which was frankly, probably very few people to begin with. But, you know, if you used to fast forward through the finance segments of this podcast, (laughs) maybe you're, you're paying a little bit more attention now. Um, So I would say, you know, first of all, dig into our archives, because we have talked a lot about all of these different ways to save money on college, but, you know, look for colleges that might be more generous with need-based financial aid. Uh, If you use the net price calculators on the college websites, that can give you a sense of who's going to be generous with you in terms of need-based financial aid. Uh, You may want to look at colleges where you are going to stand out from the crowd, where you're above average. Those more like safety schools on your list where you look very good, they may really want to recruit you and will offer you some scholarship money as an enticement to enroll. So if finances are now, you know, an issue for you, look for those colleges that might offer you more scholarship funding. Um, You may want to think a little uh, more uh, hard about your in-state public universities, um, that maybe they weren't kind of on your radar so much in the past. Uh, They can provide a really good value. They're, you know, Costs are automatically subsidized uh, for folks who live in that state. Um, so they're going to charge you automatically, you know, twenty or thirty thousand dollars less than, you know, that public university in the next state over. Yes. Um, so you may want to take a close look at, at some of the four-year schools in your state. You might also want to take a look at the two-year schools um, in your state, the local community colleges, and they're not right for everyone, but they can, um, work really well for some people and get, you know, the first couple years of college done at a really affordable price, uh, and then transfer into the four-year school later. I think that might be, um, a more popular option, uh, kind of moving forward and then in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tricky. And um, while I think the juniors are feeling this um, kind of mo- most intensely mm-hmm. for the, as the mother of a sophomore and for students who are a little younger, we're going to see ripple effects from this for some yeah. time to come. And yeah. um, one of the things I'm frankly a little concerned about is are we going to see that the local state university becomes even harder to get More into, you know, than it has in the past. So, yeah, I think yeah. Adding to my stress. <laughs> That's All what right. I'm here for, Beth. <laughs> I know. I love it. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Shannon. All right. What about high school seniors trying to make their college decision right now? This is tough. Probably the yeah. toughest, maybe. It's real tough. Yeah, it is. And I think seniors are probably thinking about some of the same things that, that we just discussed for the underclassmen, but looking kind of more narrowly at what schools they've been accepted to and which are going to be the most affordable. And maybe that in-state public school is starting to look a lot better, or maybe that school that offered you the biggest scholarship um, offer, you know, even if might not have been first on your list uh, a while back, maybe now you're thinking uh, more closely about those schools. Um, Another thing that I think seniors and their families should probably keep on their radar that we haven't talked about a ton is the financial health of the colleges that they've been accepted to, that they're considering. Um, You know, we've seen a number of schools over the last couple of years close up shop, go bankrupt, or be forced to merge with another college. Um, There are some colleges that have been going through some financial struggles 
um, that I think the number keeps growing. Um, even you know before coronavirus, that was happening. Now with coronavirus and schools, you know having to close. Some schools have kind of shut down temporarily altogether. Others have making the move to online, which is a, can be a big financial investment if you are not already set up for that. Yes. Um, schools issuing room and board refunds um, to huge amounts of students. Not every school has the cash flow to deal with that easily. So I think schools that were already struggling financially, this could be the nail in the coffin for some schools. Yeah. Uh, I, I would expect to see um, that list of schools going out of business to increase in the coming months and years. Um, so just, just something to keep on your radar. Presumably you don't want to go, you don't want to choose a school that is likely to close in the near future. Right. Um, so I think one good resource on that is the Forbes magazine puts out a list, um, college financial financial health grades. So you, you can look that up, the Forbes College Financial Health Grades. Um, they do a lot of data analysis about the underlying financial health of schools. Uh, also, our friends at Edmit, um, who do a lot of um, data analysis regarding paying for college, they actually just wrote for us a blog post as of this recording. We're recording this on April 2nd. It yes. is not going to find our blog, but I think when this airs on April 9th, it's, yep. it's due to go up that day. So take a look at blog.getintocollege.com. They um, provided a some really great tips on how kind of regular folks can figure out <laughs> what, um, uh, what a college's financial health um might be looking like. So take a look at that blog post. Um, so that's one thing I think folks need to keep on their radars. Um, also, if you've received financial aid offers uh, based on you know your finances back in October, and your finances look quite different now, if you've uh, you know lost your job or you've been furloughed or your and your stock accounts have decreased precipitously, you can appeal those financial aid offers right to the financial aid office, ask them to reconsider based on your new circumstances. Even if you just have merit scholarship offers, go back and negotiate those. We've done tons of segments about financial aid appeals negotiation. Go back and listen to the archives on those because uh, I think those are um, things you're going to want to do now. Colleges may be less generous because they're hurting financially. On the flip side, I think other colleges will be more generous because they're really trying to fill their seats in this kind of uncertain environment. So don't hesitate to ask for more money. Yeah. And I would say make those requests now. Don't wait. Don't say, oh, well, I have until June 1 or, oh, well, I can't decide and I'm going to think about it. And then later on ask because it's first come, first serve, um, especially for those colleges with limited resources who are eager to yield their class mm -hmm. this year in a way that they have not had to probably worry about this quite as much as in the past. Yeah. Um, in the time we have left, what about two, two for color, current college students and those who have graduated? What advice for current college students? Yeah, current college. Yeah, sorry, current college students. Same exact thing actually as the high school seniors. If you're receiving financial aid, but your financial situation has changed, you as a current college student go to your financial aid office, appeal your financial aid offers for next year. Or if you're struggling right now, you can ask for more money right now. The Congress just um, authorized. They passed the CARES Act, which is a relief funding bill that actually provided new grant funding to colleges to um, help students, kind of emergency grant funding for students who are in financial trouble because of the coronavirus. So appeal to your financial aid office for more money. Um, if you happen to be working or had been working a work-study job that you can no longer work, again, talk to your school. Within the CARES Act, they actually authorize colleges, if they want to, they're not required to, but to keep paying their work-study students, even if you're no longer able to work. So if, if no longer having your work-study job is a big hardship, talk, again, to your financial aid office, talk to your school. If you are struggling kind of about any of this, they, they can help you. Um, right. And then for graduates, um, who've already yes, with gone through college with lots of student loans. Uh, included in the CARES Act was student loan relief. So for federal student loan borrowers who have loans um, that are held by the Department of Education, um, your payments and interest have been suspended for the next six months until September 30th. You are not required to make any payments. Uh, you will not accrue any interest over that 
time. So that is a big relief for uh, folks who might be, again, you know, out of work. You don't have to make your student loan payments um, for the next six months, and it's not going to hurt you at all. You, you, don't, you, won't accru you won't accrue any interest in that time. Everything has been put on pause. If you're working towards public service loan forgiveness, which requires you to make uh, 120 payments while you're working for a public service organization, the next six months actually count towards that. Um, so you're not losing out on public service loan forgiveness. It, it, they're acting as if you made payments. Uh, now I will say, if you are not struggling, you've got your income, you can afford to make your loan payments, do so. Keep doing so. You actually need to contact your servicer to keep making payments because they're going to be automatically stopped. But you're not going to accrue any interest in the next six months. All your full payment will go to principal. So if you can afford to make payments, this is a great time to really eat into that loan balance. Everything is going to come right off the top of your loan because you're not paying interest. You will pay your loans off quicker. You will accrue less interest in the long run. So if you can afford to make payments, do so. Right. It's actually a really amazing bonus. But yes. I want to highlight what you said, which is you need to contact your servicer because they are going to be automatically stopped. So if you're thinking, oh, this is great, I'm going to keep paying, um, you actually have to contact and make sure that you are keeping paying because they're going to turn it off unless you do that. Exactly yes. right. All right, Sham, we're going to take a quick break um, and we are going to come back and then you have questions for me, some of which may be COVID-19 related, but not all of them. So maybe it'll be a little bit of a welcome relief break. Yes. From uh, <laughs> from all the focus on COVID-19. So uh, don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, you just heard Shannon talk a lot about... Uh, the impact of COVID-19 on college finances, kind of along the timeline. Really, if you are just turning in now, for whatever reason, you missed <laughs> that segment, you want to go back and listen to it. Very valuable. Um, but in this segment, she's just going to throw questions at me. Some might be COVID-19 related, some might not be, but that's what we're going to do today because all the rules are out the window. <laughs> I'm eating all the carbs all the time. We'll just, You'll just ask me questions and... That's what we're going to go with today. 
Perfect. Sounds All right. great. And this first one does happen to be COVID related. So this came in from Christy um, through our Facebook page. So just a reminder to folks, if they do have questions, they can send us a private message on Facebook and we can answer them here on the podcast. And that is what Christy did. Um, but Christy asks, what if a student was prepping for the March SAT and was ready to go? Our daughter has studied quite a bit, had a full study program for four months, done multiple practice tests. I can't imagine her keeping up her test prep pace until June, especially when it's possible that that will also be canceled. Her school is doing online school as well. She's got solid work to do from nine to four. So this is not how she's looking to spend her days right now. Um, I think they will be out for the rest of the year and expect that this rigor will continue through May. When should she pick up SAT studying again? Or should she wait until the college board announces that the test is actually happening? Uh, should she start up again in early May just in case? Or should she be doing a few practice sessions each week just to keep fresh? Is that right. a lot of detail again, but kids prepping sure. for SAT, what can what should they be doing? It's really good questions. Um, I think a big thing is that we, if everyone is following the news, there are a lot of schools that are announcing test optional policies, some in general, but many for just a one year period of time. So for this group of juniors. Uh, and so that should hopefully alleviate some anxiety. Now, not all schools have announced that. So um, these are still theoretically going to be a, an important part of the process next year. I think the more test dates that get canceled, the less of a priority it's going to be. What I would say is, since she's already done a pretty intensive prep program, I would probably um, check in with whomever she was working with to say, are there any specific areas, types of problems that she struggles with and maybe just focus on spending a little time, you know, every day, once a week, whatever the schedule works with her schedule to really master those particular problems. Um, I agree that I don't think a flat out full scale test prep program makes sense right now, mm -hmm. given that it is certainly very possible that the June tests will end up being canceled as well. I think keep your eyes open for future test dates, sign up for those as they become available and just keep up, keep on keeping on kind of. So my hope is that tests will be canceled with a lot of notice, but then again, the college board still held the March test and basically said, not our call, whoever decides to keep offer the test, they're gonna offer the test. Um, so I'm not sure their leadership has been particularly great here. Um, in fact, I'm not, I'm sure that it hasn't been particularly great here. Um, so I think just kind of pay attention to what's going on in the world. If you're hearing that bans are being extended, that um, social gatherings of larger than five or 10 or whatever are being discouraged, then of course that means the likelihood that the June test is gonna happen if you're still hearing that in late May is a lot less, right? So yeah. I wish I had a hard and fast answer here, but I do think that pulling back on the test prep and then ratcheting back up again when the, um, when we get closer to a test date that looks more likely to happen is probably the way to go. I also think if you have access to practice tests and you wanna do one of those a month or one every couple of weeks to kind of stay fresh, that's probably not a bad thing either. Um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, it's 10,000 hours and you're, <laughs> you know, you're gonna be an expert. So, you know, uh, if she has a little bit of time to continue up with it a little bit, I think that's a good idea. Um, and the next question came in from Kim, and Kim says, my son, a junior, used to want to be a computer science major. Now he wants to be a computer engineer slash electrical engineer, yet all of his experience is in programming. Even on the robotics team, he is a programmer. Given the difficulty of switching into computer science or engineering once a student is accepted, what is a good way for my child to really investigate or examine now which major is the best fit? And I right. believe it was last week we did a segment on the computer science major. So Kim, if you haven't listened to that one, you probably want to go back. Yeah, I would suggest going back and listening to that. And then the other thing I would say is um, 
you know, if if his general area of interest is in engineering, most engineering programs are not going to require you to select the exact area that you're going to focus on when you apply to engineering. They want you to apply to engineering, but then you can kind of decide what you want um, to do when you get there. So, you know, exploration is part of college. And I would say that that's a one good way is actually get to college and explore it there. If he's trying to decide between whether he wants to apply to computer science or engineering, and at some schools, computer science is going to be within engineering. At other schools, it's going to be separate. Um, one thing that he could take advantage of right now is that edX and Coursera have courses available, many of them free, where you could maybe take a class in one of these areas and use it as a way to explore um, these different, uh, the different sort of specialties and see. And also I would encourage, you know, looking at the colleges. So, so certainly there's no substitute for maybe taking a class and, and seeing what you think about it. But in addition to that, maybe look at the college's websites and see, you know, the schools of interest is computer science part of engineering? Is it separate? What do the classes look like in those different areas? What looks interesting? Um, how difficult is it to switch your concentration within engineering? So again, you don't necessarily need to go in as an electrical engineer. It probably can be something that you can do, a choice you can make once you get there. And so, you know, just looking at the different policies around that and understanding that most teenagers don't know what they want to study, let alone a specific segment of uh, a general topic that interests them. The only other thing I would say is that computer science is becoming more and more selective. If he really wants computer science, you want to shoot for it. But um, if he's ambivalent or kind of deciding that maybe computer science itself is not for him, I, I would say really focus on what the options are in engineering, and that might be an easier route into um, the college anyway. So, gotcha. but yeah, go back and listen to last week's segment too on computer science. I think that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, the next question comes in from Leslie, and Leslie says, being in California, our high school sends students a lot of confusing messages for grades and getting into college. They constantly hear that an A and an A minus is the same for California schools, but that's just the UCs, I think, in parentheses, um, or that only grades 10, grades received in grades 10 and 11 count. Um, but then your kid becomes a senior and suddenly doesn't want to go to a California school anymore or they can't get in and now they uh, feel like they're in trouble because they let their freshman year grades go because they didn't think they counted. Um, so basically the question is what to do if you are in California, you're thinking about the UCs and they have uh, such specific and different application requirements than other schools. Right. Yeah, I think that is a big challenge with California. And, um, you know, one of the things that I would say, and, and it's tough because if you haven't really been thinking about it and you're just now realizing, oh, wow, ninth grade basically matters everywhere else other than here. Um, it's tricky. So I guess what I would say is to those underclassmen, um, those families who are in California just now listening, the reality is that you do want to have as many options available as possible. And California has an amazing public university system. They have the UCs, they have the Cal States, they do have a lot of options. Um, and so you should still have a lot of options in California, but they may be, not be the options that you want, right? So if you had yeah. your heart set on Berkeley and you're the kind of student who's going to be competitive at Berkeley, I don't know that a Cal State is necessarily going to satisfy, even though there are a lot of Cal States where you could get a great education and some might argue you get a better education than at Berkeley. But that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. So the only real advice I have here is that um, ninth grade does count everywhere except for the UCs. And you want to, I would really go through high school with an eye towards satisfying the UC requirements um, or making sure that you're satisfying the UC requirements, but really with more of a, an understanding that at all other, other colleges in this country, they are, um, they want to see you 
satisfying your high school's graduation requirements, ideally going above and beyond. So sticking with all five major subjects, math, science, English, history, and foreign language, all four years and doing well, ideally all four years. So ideally, you know, not having a terrible ninth grade and then suddenly having a really great 10th grade. Although, hey, if that happens, it happens. You're on an upward trajectory. That's great. Um, the UCs certainly don't value a downward trajectory. So <laughs> even if, you know, ninth grade wasn't as good as it could have been, yes, that does mean that there are some schools that will not be possible because of that. You know, anytime you look at the most selective level, they are looking for students to be competitive all four years and very strong right. all four years. Yeah. Um, so my advice and it's really a tricky thing. Like I said, if you're not listening to this until your student is a junior or a senior, it's kind of too late. Um, but you really do want to, wherever you are, you want to approach this process holistically. Yet yeah, it might be your fondest wish that your child go to the local state school. And so all you're really looking at is what do they care about? But if you suspect it varies in any way from um, what other colleges might be looking at, you, you want to look a little bit broader and make sure that you are guiding them effectively and let the college counselor know, hey, the goal is maybe local, but maybe to go farther afield so that they can help counsel um, accordingly as well. Absolutely. Um, and we received a question from Kimmy about gap years. So she says, I'm wondering if you have any advice into a gap year that doesn't involve spending money on a program abroad. And frankly, a lot of those have been <laughs> canceled yes. anyway. Um, she says, my son is interested in taking one or more years to participate in his club sport and work to save money, which are which I'm all for, but what other factors should be considered? Maybe taking a math class at a community college to keep his skills sharp, maybe. Um, the gap year programs we talked about on a, on a previous show all sounded fantastic, um, but maybe counterproductive to having to pay for his college because they, sure. they were expensive. What are some other gap year options? Sure. Well, I, I think the very primary gap year option that people have been doing since the beginning of time, work. Um, and that is my best advice. The gap year, unless if the student has applied to college and gotten in and they're just deferring their admission to in order to ha have time to pay for college, then really all they need to do at this point is ask for a deferral and let the college know I'm going to be working to save money to help pay for college. Um, you don't need to do anything fancy. Working is just fine. And so uh, while all the other stuff sounds really cool and groovy, I think there's no harm with a, um, a, a job. Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to pop my glasses back on here. Next week, Ian is hosting. We're talking about making the final decision. What if you don't like any of your options? Yikes. Um, finding the best financial fit, because those are all very important. Um, I'm on Instagram, college coaches on Instagram, follow us. And don't forget, we are here every week at 1 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.